Welcome to the Fresh Fiction Podcast. My name is Danielle Jackson-Dresser. And I'm Gwen Reyes. This is the podcast where we talk about what we're reading, watching, and listening to. This week, we're chatting with one of our favorite contemporary romance authors, Denise Williams, and her new book, Do You Take This Man? We're also talking about some of our favorite messy characters in pop culture. We're also going to go over our goals from last week, set new ones, and share what's been bringing us some comfort lately. All right. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Danielle, I'm so excited about today's topic. Me too. I cannot, I'm just like chomping at the bit to get into it. But first, (laughs) I'm dying to know how you've been since the last time we chatted. Good, 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 good. It's been busy um, because the first week of school has happened Mm -hmm. and we are getting back into our old routine, which is great. Because now I do have some, when I'm not at the bookshop, I do have like a day at home or a Mm -hmm. couple of days a week at home by myself. And, you know, so it's only been, and the way her school, Ivy school started, she started on a Tuesday. So I really only got like that Friday Mm -hmm. day, but it was needed. (laughs) It was awesome. (laughs) You're like, I loved every minute of it. (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was awesome. Uh, But yeah, so yeah, we're getting back into that old, the old routine of like getting up in the morning and like actually immediately getting dressed and not, you know, and I, so I've been doing a lot of like, okay, are you dressed now? Okay. Let's do your hair. Okay. You know, just like every Mm -hmm. little minute. So hopefully by the end of the month, it'll kind of be feel more natural. Yes, (laughs) but yeah. And then the other thing too is yesterday when we're recording this, the day before was bookstore romance day. So this is my first bookstore romance day with a book, which was great. Mm -hmm. I did a virtual event with Belmont books, which, and it was awesome. Shout out to Amanda, Amanda, who writes and is on the smart bitches podcast quite a bit. Um, she was a great moderator with me, Abby Jimenez and Rachel Van Dyken. I felt like I learned a ton from the two of them because Mm -hmm. they are so like established and accomplished and have written many, but I think Rachel Van Dyken has written over a hundred books. Yeah. Incredible backlist that she has wild. And then And then it's like, even though Abby has written less than that, she still has done so much in like the, what, like five or six or seven or eight years that Mm -hmm. she has been actively writing. So yeah, just getting to listen to them talk and getting their insight and then adding like, I guess like my debut insight, you know, like it was, it was a really cool panel and I believe it'll be up for replay pretty soon. Um, Yeah. And then, and then At Anderson's, we did a really big event called Anderson's After Dark, where it was a ticketed event, but we had treats and like really nice swag bags. And there were seven authors that came and we were all just in the store hanging out. And this really was like an event for, to get people to come to Anderson specifically for romance. And it really wasn't just like, there were a lot of like my fellow Chicagoland romance authors and people who I know through Romance Landia, but there were just a lot of like readers, like people who I I saw at the Christina Lauren event or at some mm-hmm. of our like YA romance events that were just like, we're so happy this is happening. So um, if you're in Chicagoland, expect more romance events in the Western yes. suburbs, because we now we know the people will come, which is mm-hmm. great. <laughs> exactly. Now I'm like, yes. Ooh, this is an opportunity to have Portillo's chocolate cake at one of these events. I mean, too. definitely. I think <laughs> so. Well, you know, I will say we did get, there's this really great bakery in Naperville called Dieta's bakery. They're like, Ooh. they've been there forever. And whenever we can do something where we need treats, like we always go there and they came through. Everything was really good. <laughs> so love it. <laughs> yeah. That's so awesome. how have you, yeah. How have you been doing Gwen? 
I've been okay. You know, it's been a little up and down the last yeah. few since our last episode. Um, we are we had to say goodbye to our sweet pupper Ronin, which has yeah. been like spending the last like week just really doing a lot of reflecting and then yeah. which then makes me, you know, it's nice to spend that time reflecting and nostalgic and, mm-hmm. and thoughtfulness. So uh yeah, that's kind of how I've been. It's just been sitting yeah. in like this sort of place of um, yeah, of just thinking and and being mm-hmm. thankful for the time that we had with him um and then also just enjoying aria at the same time yeah. and doing silly things with her and <laughs> seeing her personality like flourish like we um we ended up driving to seattle uh, mm-hmm. this out yesterday for um a rescue event where we did not realize it was going to be in the middle of pike place that's wild it's wild it was like <laughs> Dad, dead center in the middle of Pike Place. This is also Emerald City Comic Con weekend. There is a Alaska cruise that is docked outside of the piers. So it was packed. Our dog is terrified of people. So just Aww. the idea of all of these people around her was yeah. like, okay, well, it was nice that we did this drive. We'll go back to Bellevue and <laughs> go sit on a, a patio, which is what we did and and just kind of enjoyed the day and stuff because it was like a nice sort of sunny sort of gray day. Yeah. And then, yeah, otherwise just looking forward to going to New York in a few months in like a month. So I'm just like really spending a lot of time thinking. Yeah. <laughs> <is> very boring. <laughs> no, sometimes you have to do that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what is one good thing you've achieved this week? So let's see. Okay. So speaking of New York, it was finally booking our hotel in New York city for our trip. We're going over the weekend of September 11th and, um, oh my, yeah. yes, <laughs> we're going to see Pearl jam on September 11th at wow. Madison square garden. It's yeah, it's, there's a lot of conflicting feelings going on of just like being in New York on September 11th, mm-hmm. but also again, in the, in the spirit of reflecting and thinking back, it's a nice opportunity to take that time to just be, you know, reminiscent of, of that mm-hmm. period of our history, blah, blah, blah. Pa- getting our actual hotel has been such a struggle because we were like, well, we don't know where we want to stay. And Cliff like wants to be in a specific spot. I want to be far away from Midtown. So finally yeah. settling on something still yeah. in Midtown. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm very excited about that. I'm just looking now that the trip is more and more real. I'm just like mm-hmm. ready to be there. Yeah. Awesome. That's going to be so fun. Yeah. What about you? Um. So by the time this podcast is up, I will have sent in what I think is the finished product of what book two will be. Mm-hmm. Um, we will see what my editor says. <laughs> uh, I'm sure she'll have thoughts and I will accept them. Hopefully. Uh, no, I'm being obnoxious. No. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's finally, it's done. I'm sending it like it's a Sunday. So I think I said this last time. I'm not going to send my book in on a Sunday. That's rude. I'm going to send it in tomorrow morning, (laughs) like bright and early. Uh, and yeah, so it, it's fine. And, it and, and I, I really am pleased with the out, the final outcome of it. It's been a long time and where I feel like I've been working on this book for forever, which I have been, uh, it's been like, if you include drafting, like two years almost, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, it's finally, I think it's really like in its final state and hopefully we can move forward and I can think of something new because <laughs> I'm sick of these, you know, of these two, these <laughs> two people. <laughs> it's so funny. I was thinking about your uh, food truck characters this morning. Yeah. Well, I was hungry for my own food truck snacks. I'm yeah. just like, man, I cannot wait for next summer 
for this book and like all the exciting things you're going to do around it. Like it's going to be fun. Mm -hmm. Super fun. Yeah. So, and I think I've said this before, but it does not have an official title yet. And it also does not have an official update. All things that I think are final, but I can't say anything just yet. Just yet. Yeah, absolutely. It's fun (laughs) to be under a contract. It's like, Ooh, gag order. Can't say anything. I know, but it's like weird. You know, it's like, well, why, why can't I? I know. (laughs) But it's like, but I also, I did sign it. So I have Mm -hmm. to abide by it, I guess. Absolutely. So weird. Okay. I love it. <laughs> All right. Let's move in to our topic, which is messy characters. Love this it. is totally stemmed from how obsessed with Carmi from the bear we are. <laughs> yep. Um, we were just trying, I was like, what can we talk about? Oh my gosh. Let's talk about Carmi again mm-hmm. and the bear. And I think, but I think there is something going on because I've noticed this more in romance in particular, where characters are not as perfect as they used to be. Yes. In that they show their flaws, they show where they need to do work. I think, you know, and I think, I think that, and that has come hand in hand with more people talking about therapy and Mm -hmm. different, you know, different levels of neurodivergence and different, you know, just different things and people existing in the world with different things and accepting and Mm -hmm. going talking about it and talking about it and not hiding it as much. And I mean, a lot of these messy characters that really is kind of what I think it comes down to is they just have to like, accept that there is this thing that is really bothering them or has affected them their entire lives. And they're now just being able to like process it. And I think that's what we as like the people consuming the media get to see. And that is interesting. And I think it's, it's not only is it relatable, but I think it makes us empathetic. I think it makes Mm -hmm. us think about different things that people do. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like I, I love that gif of Marie Kondo from the first season of, uh, spark. What what was the, Oh man, I cannot remember the name of her show, but it's the sparking joy. Yeah. You know, that sort of thing. Um, but when she's like, I love mess and yes. I feel like that is perfect. Just, it's like the messier, the better. In my opinion, I find characters who make terrible decisions after terrible decision yeah. to be very compelling to watch, but also relatable because like to your point of, of the more diversity that we have on screen, both of, you know, people of color as well as women and as mm-hmm. well as LGBTQ like it makes it so that you're seeing such a wide variety of not only imaginary people but people who represent your own friends and your own mm-hmm. family and the people you see on the streets and like I also feel like I'm constantly barely holding holding and everything together <laughs> and so I feel like these characters these messy ones like they are it's all bubbling under the surface but one of the things that kind of makes them stand out is that they it comes out of them like it permeates out of them somehow or explodes out of them in some way you know usually around episode six or seven um and then they have to (laughs) kind of deal from it deal with it from that point yeah and it's just like I think too it's almost like it's almost like living vicariously through people who sometimes just seem like they're just going to do what they they're going to do and then Mm -hmm. and then just and and then deal with the consequences and that it's just like what they do Do. which I think is pretty cool <laughs> but then also watch, is, at least yeah to watch exactly you know and but yeah I don't know I feel like more and more 
I think, you know, like a decade ago, people, especially women and women of color, like you said, were expected to be just so in control mm-hmm. and were almost like in portrayed in the media as being like perfect and a little bit too perfect, you know? And so then you do get, so now you get to kind of see people who may look like they have everything totally together, but then at home, it's like, what are you doing with your life? It's absolute chaos. Yeah. So, <laughs> and it's like, they make these mistakes and they're on that. And while they're on that journey to like kind of reckoning with mistakes or whatever mm-hmm. it is they're dealing with, they also make more and yeah. then, you know, and then that spiral. And then, but then that's also just like, the nature of storytelling you got to keep like especially on like tv and in yeah, movies, i up. think you have to like keep it going so yeah yeah it's definitely interesting to see yeah okay Best so let's, better. yeah let's talk about some of our wrecks yes okay so let's talk about we got yeah movies and tv so let's let's start with tv okay okay say, let, let's jump right into our our you know our prince of mess Yes. Carmi. Carmi. <laughs> I have just been so thankful that that character has been put into our lives this year mm-hmm. and that he just everything about like his life was falling apart because his brother dies. He has to yeah. come home, save the business, leave his lucrative, maybe lucrative, his lucrative job in New York as a chef, but really was probably running away from his own problems there because he's a mess because all chefs are yeah. messy. And like (laughs) is trying desperately to keep everything together. But then also like the people around him are just as like disastery as he is. And I think that's one of the things that's so interesting is like aside from his brother dying, Mm -hmm. there really is like we don't really know too much else about. Yes. About him. Yes. (laughs) Which is wild that we're all so obsessed with him. Yeah. It's it's like like we could. We can project what we want onto him yeah. in a way. Yeah, that's and a good so point. That is like almost my word. Like, I'm so excited that there is a season two, but I almost don't, I want it to kind of still stay at that surface mm. level yeah. because I don't, I don't know. I feel like there, there is like an air of mystery that comes with him about why, you know, and it's just like, you know, like in the first episode when he's like pawning off his like vintage, like jean jeans. jackets and uh-huh. jeans and you're like, well, why does he have those? Like, where did they come from? But yeah. also like, are they really worth that much money? You know? And then that's, and then it's like never brought up again. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it. <laughs> so, never again. It's like, but yeah. Uh-huh. So I'm like, but I was like, but do I want to know where the jeans came from? Like, I don't want an episode, episode one of season two to be like, this is where he gets his jeans. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I don't, the jeans. <laughs> yeah. Like, so I don't know. It's just, it's so interesting. And I think because I was like thinking about this in regard to like from a romance standpoint, because like in like the, okay. Like I was thinking of the hating game and how mm-hmm. like they both are pretty put together, but like re and because, but because you're only in her point of view, yeah. like you just see how he is. And he is like this very buttoned up, like uptight as uptight as you can be type of person. And I feel like that people have written that for so long, mm-hmm. you know, now, you know, for what roughly a decade. And I think it's like time for something else. And yeah. so I think that's also why I think, especially in romance land. Yeah. Like we all just like glommed onto Carmi because we were like, Oh, this is that dude. That's com- a complete mess. And in a way it's like in the romance way, you're like, but we can fix him. Exactly. I was like, but we can fix him. 
yes, <laughs> we can help him. Like we we'll are make clearly what he needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think there is like, it's not totally that because it really is just like a wonderful show. Um, but I also think that that's like part of it. Like that's, mm-hmm. and he is very intriguing. So yeah, yeah, always any opportunity we can talk about Carmi, we will. I just, I love it so much. Can't wait till next year. <laughs> I know it'd be great. Okay. So I have a few more. Mm-hmm. I chose Annalise Keating from how to get away with murder. Um, because I think it's like you spent like that first episode, like talk about a great pilot episode where so good. She is just so awesome. But then also like by the end of it, you were like, this woman Mm -hmm. is crazy force to be reckoned with, but Mm -hmm. also completely unhinged. Um, yes. But yeah, I mean, but I thought that she was a really great, I mean, she really becomes kind of an anti-hero throughout that series. Like you're always kind of rooting for her, but she also yeah. makes some choices. Mm-hmm. And, and that's one where you do, you kind of throughout the course of the season or of the series, you learn about her past and, you know, she definitely had a lot of issues with her mother and her father and like how they raised her or how they really didn't raise her and, you know, just things like that. So that is one where it was, it was kind of revealed slowly over the season and, or the seasons. And it was really, I thought it was done in a really great way, but also just that show was always at like 110. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I feel like Annalise and Walt White from Breaking Bad have Ooh. a similar sort mm-hmm. of like, you know, everything's put together on the surface, yeah. but like they are really running some some crazy stuff behind the scenes, yeah. you know, like that's like, similar personality. On that. even, yeah. Well, I don't even know what was going on in that show. I remember <laughs> one time, like some, like when the show ended, someone was like talking about something that happened and I was like, I don't remember this. Like, what are you talking what what are you sure you weren't thinking of scandal (laughs) right I mean maybe I don't know okay my next pick is the fleabag from fleabag Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. by Phoebe Waller-Bridge she is just someone who it's like and I was gonna say it's like maybe she means well but I don't even know if she does she means well and (laughs) she yeah she's just making one bad decision after another and and we'll come to terms with a lot of it but then we'll also like two seconds later just do something equally as terrible or Mm -hmm. like just like why why would you do that yeah you know like that's a lot (laughs) I feel like why would she do that um but yeah what are these choices that we're making yeah what Mm -hmm. and really that's what it is it's like what there's like clearly a choice that someone could make and then this person this character does the exact opposite I love that and but one of the things I will say Fleabag and then kind of I think my neck the next person I'm going to talk about too they just make there really isn't like a reason behind it's just like what they do it's just their chaotic energy yeah Um, so yeah the next character is jesse on a show called starstruck that's on hbo max she's played by rose matafeo and it's about kind of a normal everyday person woman who meets a like almost pretty famous guy like he's kind of on the cusp of being really famous and they start dating and it's kind of dealing with like you know society's expectations of who he should be with and then but also her like grappling with like oh this person that I am involved with is like very much in the public eye and I can't like I have to think about how I act now and and stuff like that and yeah and she just I mean but in the but it really 
starstruck it's like if you are a romance reader you would love starstruck there are two seasons they just signed on for a three but both seasons end in a really satisfying place like where you're not like it's not like a cliffhanger yeah which is great but there's so much more for them to explore so i highly highly recommend it um then i have a couple three more one is Dylan on a show called Lovesick, which was on Netflix. It okay. So the first season of this show was called Scrotal Recall, which is the right. worst name in right. history exactly. for a TV show. But it's about a guy who finds out he has an STI and he has to basically go back through like all of his sexual partners for like the last, the, his doctors say the last like year you need to tell all of them that you have this. I can't remember which STI he has, but he has to go back and tell them. And it's so like that opens up this can of worms of like, oh, well, we had this great time. Like, why didn't we stay together? Or mm-hmm. why didn't we go beyond this one night stand or whatever it was? And it was it was really, really interesting and fun. But he was he was like, you know, he's a young guy and you know, he was like sleeping around like as young people are want mm-hmm. to do. And, you know, and in and, and the ramifications of his lifestyle kind of catch up with him and he has to deal with, he has literally has to go back and deal with all of that. Deal so that's his, really cool. Yeah. Um, and then the last two are people we've talked about a ton, but Nick on new girl played by Jake Johnson and then mm-hmm. Issa on insecure, of course, played by Issa Rae. To be delightfully messy folks. I know just very lovely and wonderful. And, but people who go through on journeys and I think especially Issa by the end of mm-hmm. insecure, like she has really figured out who she is. And I think that's a lot of that too, is what some of these characters are doing is they are figuring out who they are, who they want, who they want to be and how they need to get there. I think it's such a great capping, like book ending of having, starting with Carmi and ending with Issa Mm -hmm. because like, exactly. Like I hope for Carmi by the end of the run of the bear that he's had the same sort of awakening that Issa Mm. got to have on Insecure and have that sort of result at the end of five seasons that you're just like, oh, this was such a nice watching of a person maturing, getting older, growing up, changing, making new decisions that are maybe still the same decisions, but just slightly, slightly shifted. Definitely. I love that. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Let's go to some of yours. Okay. So I've got a couple of, or some TV ones as well. So I just started this weekend watching the, this fool on Hulu, which is very, very funny. So it is about a, a man who works for a uh, gang rehabilitation uh, organization called hugs, not thugs. (laughs) And (laughs) they make cupcakes and they send, you know, so there it's this, they make cupcakes and they sell them to different to different grocery stores oh my gosh yeah but the main character is like you know he's a good guy he's he's with his family he's taking care of his mom and his grandma um his cousin is just recently released from prison after spending five or six years in there for a drug uh a a drug charge Mm -hmm. and he is now enlisted his cousin to like He's like, well, if you want to stay here, if you want to stay with my mom and, and your aunt, then you're going to have to get a job and you're going to have to go and yeah. work at Hugs, Not Thugs. And like the two of them just, it's just, it's messy because they're trying to figure it out themselves. One of them thinks it's, they knows the other one better and, and they don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's very, very funny. Um, it's got a great family heart to it. And okay. um, yeah, I've just been very much enjoying how hilarious it is. And they're, 
Um, I think that the, I think that they're Mexican. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure that the family is a Mexican family, but um, yeah, it's very good. Awesome. I also, another set of, of messy characters that are hopefully figuring it out for themselves is the new, a league of their own on Amazon. Yeah. Um, especially with our main character, Carson, who literally blows up her life. Well, metaphorically blows up her life by yeah. leaving her husband after she finds out that he is coming back from the war. She runs, jumps on a train, flees to Chicago to try out for the All-American Women's Baseball League. And of course she gets it. And so now she's got to spend these next episodes dealing with her sexual awakening because, you know, she loves her husband, but might also like some women as well. Yeah. Um, And I, it's just really fun watching these women navigate something so new and different while they're all experiencing something that um, bonds them together, which Mm -hmm. is being on this baseball team at a time when women weren't allowed to do that. Yeah. Awesome. Love that. Um, (laughs) Also, we cannot forget about the kids of Euphoria High School. They are a mess to the max. Um, And then uh, I know I've talked about Euphoria a lot, but I always love Rue. I think that she just lives in a world of mess and can never Mm -hmm. get herself out of it. And as unfortunate as that sounds like we watch that show because those kids are messy. <laughs> yeah. We, we don't want them to be okay. Like, and I hate to say that, but um, <laughs> I hope they're all getting good therapy, but oh gosh, I appreciate yeah. the work that they're doing for us. Um, and then I have for my foundational messy millennial, I have to do a shout out for Hannah Horvath on girls <laughs> um, because she's just the disaster. And even though like I, I don't love that series. I am always very appreciative of girls because yeah, oh, it's it's bad. But we're I sometimes I can say the conversations that came out of that show and the mm-hmm. directions that we like shows that were able to come out of the shadow of that are very important. And I think that she did kick the door open for that. But Hannah Horvath is a disaster. Totally. Oh my gosh, uh, such a disaster. And then I just, this is a movie, um, but I just watched on Netflix, The Wedding Season. I always love these characters, women who think they know better, mm-hmm. um, but she gets into a fake relationship with uh, a guy who she thinks is incredibly messy because he's quit his job. He doesn't do anything. He's <laughs> spending money at his parents' r- restaurant, trying to keep it afloat, but like yeah. lying to them at the same time. But the two of them can trick their families into believing they're in this fake relationship. So they don't have to keep, so they can keep up appearances and not have to like be forced to get married Yeah, because both of them are getting pressured by their families. Oh my and gosh. it's so sweet and it's so cute. And they go to 18 weddings over the course of the summer, but you know, these two are disasters because- yeah. They, there's a reason I hate to be like, there's a reason they're single, but there really is because they had to find each other and yeah. clean up their mess sure. together. I love it. Oh, yeah. That's nice. And then, you know, yeah. always reality shows. Yes. Full oh my gosh. Of, full of our <laughs> of mess on those. <laughs> Doesn't it feel weird though? Like I, I, I also agree with the reality TV stuff, but it's like, I'm like, oh, these are like real people. Yes. <laughs> These are so like I'm real like, people. What are you doing? But also <laughs> maybe they really aren't messes because they're the ones getting paid. True. They're like, <laughs> well, if we're going to get, I mean, because yeah. I was thinking specifically of like a, um, the one that's going to jail, Jen, she, cause she is a defrauder, but like every, I love that. Like, I feel for her, everything on the outside is put together. And then on yeah. the inside, she's just screaming. <laughs> Probably. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, that's funny. Okay. I have a few movies and I'm going to go okay, through pretty quickly, but I've got, so I had, like, I was thinking about this because I was like, oh gosh, is she messy or is she a manic pixie dream girl? But I mm. think this character is messy. Um, it's Clementine played by Kate Winslet in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. She was like, that was, and when it came out, it was like in the midst of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. So like everything Zoe Deschanel was in, every, pretty much everything Natalie Portman was in for a yep. little while, you know? Mm-hmm. But I think Clementine was a little bit different because you do, I mean, you don't get her perspective totally. Right. But I mean, you know, it was like the good and bad sides of this relationship. And I, I, it's one of my absolute favorite movies. I think about it all the time. Uh, but yeah, she was a really great character. And at that point, like you knew Kate Winslet, like from Titanic, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and like some of the other movies, and she was sensibility. Doing, yeah. And sense and sensibility and stuff. And like, you know, she had played, she's played these characters that are messy, but like usually with like an edge to them, which I've yeah. always really admired in her as an actress. So yeah, Clementine was really great. Um, I wanted to talk about a little bit about Harley Quinn from Suicide Squad, Birds of Prey, and but also the HBO Max cartoon, which I just started watching. So, so good. Yeah, the live action movies, Suicide Squad movies and Birds of Prey. She's played by Margot Robbie. And then she is voiced in the cartoon by Kaylee Cuoco. And she is just, you know, she she starts out as this therapist who is supposed to help cure the Joker. And of course, like falls and thinks she falls in love with him and mm-hmm. becomes part of his, you know, gang of thieves. And it's a really interesting journey. I also read there was a graphic novel that came out who, and I'm going to like absolutely butcher this wonderful artist's name. Um, Cause he has a very, I think he's like, I don't know where he is from, but he has a great name with lots of accents in it. And, uh, <laughs> And like little, you know, umlauts and things. But anyway, I will, I'll put it in the show notes. I'm making a note right now. Harley Quinn graphic novel. Um, Because it was a really interesting way to like dive into her psyche. And, and it, and it was absolutely stunning. It was gorgeous. So yeah, highly recommend. I will, like I said, I'll put it in show notes. Um, I also want to say one of, I think like one of the OG, like messy female characters Yes. Bridget Jones from Bridget Jones's Diary played by Renee Zellweger but also in the book like she is just a woman who is like trying but also mm-hmm. kind of like well why do I have to try so hard why can't I just do what I want to do um and but you know but that's that's a, actually a classic example of like Bridget being like all over the place and then Mark Darcy being you know, like very buttoned up and put together. And, but of course it's like, of course, opposites attract, like they're going to be together. Um, so then, yeah. And then I thought, so I was like thinking about superheroes and how so many of them are relatively perfect. Yeah. Um, but then I, I just remember when I saw Ant-Man and I mean, so much has to do with the fact that it's Paul Rudd. Yeah, for sure. But he was such a great character because I mean he had done time like he was a petty thief you know like he was not kind of the archetypal like very buff muscular man you know that Uh he's not Captain America you know (laughs) or (laughs) Thor he is kind of like an everyday guy which is very much the appeal of Paul Rudd um and so it was kind of fun to like see him figure out how to own this like these superpowers that he finds himself you know, having all of a sudden. So there's that. And then 
I recently rewatched Scott Pilgrim versus the world and <laughs> everyone in that movie is an absolute mess. Much of that has to do with the fact that they're all like 22. Yeah, exactly. And Their brains aren't fully formed yet. <laughs> no one knows what's going on when you're 22. But I was just like, I was watching it and I was like, why did I love this movie? I so know. Much. You know what mm-hmm, I mean? Like, I was just mm-hmm. like, like there are parts of it that are very funny and like really great. Like Brie Larson singing that song is just amazing. But yep. I was also like, God, everyone in this movie sucks. Like Everybody. really bad. <laughs> I almost like stopped watching it, but I was like, no, I'm going to finish it. But I was just like, I, okay. I don't think I need to watch this ever again. But then I also was like, well, now I'm an old, I'm officially an old <laughs> Made the person. threshold. Yeah. <laughs> but I always, I still love that quote of Bread ha- bread isn't vegan. Bread has gluten. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, yeah. Okay. I love your next section. So please talk about it. <laughs> okay. So I went, cause you know me, I always love a good celebrity gossip, but I was like, yeah. okay, messy characters, messy characters, messy characters. And the, one of the other areas of messy characters that I love to consume is like historical music, real people, so I got a list of some people who I think are the epitome of messes. Um, first of all, Courtney Love was the first one that came to my head. Oh my like gosh. Yeah. watching her from the early 90s all the way to, to even to today, like mm-hmm. the stuff that she says in the media, her her ups and downs, like getting to watch her go from being addicted to heroin to cleaned up and winning and getting nominated for Oscars mm-hmm. to being a single mom to, you know, jumping right off the the wagon again and having a party and then being able, always able to pull herself back, which I think is like a very interesting quality of a messy person because messy people still have to keep it together. And like she does, (laughs) I'm still always impressed. Um, (laughs) And then another one, uh, Britney Spears, I think, especially watching her now that she's got her freedom, it's Mm -hmm. been really fun. Well, not fun. I don't know if that's the right word, but I feel very like lucky in a way to be able to watch her her blossom on Insta- on Instagram and social media and like yeah. really share stuff but it's messy like the stuff that she talks about and the putting her family on blast and like things that a lot of people wouldn't ever feel comfortable doing she doesn't give a crap anymore about and it's like yeah. that scorched earth attitude is one of the things that makes like a messy character so compelling and why you want to root for them like mm-hmm. I want to root for Brittany I want her to be free even though it's a little chaotic because like <laughs> you just, she deserves it. She's worked hard for it. Yeah. Um, totally. I, I think as much as we love her, I think Adele is another messy person, <laughs> but I, you know, anyone that would write every single album about the last guy that broke your heart or last person that broke your heart. Um, and then, you know, put it on, put 18 songs out about that person every single, every <laughs> other year tells yeah. me it's a little messy or, you know, canceling their, uh, their Vegas residency one week before it opens oh my because gosh. it didn't yep. look the right way because they didn't <laughs> want to go to work. They want to hang out with their boyfriend. And I'm like, okay, I like the mess, Adele. You deserve it. You make millions yeah. of dollars. It's fine. Oh, seriously. Ooh. And then like, you know, this is the weekend. This is we're we're recording from the past, but this is the weekend that Ben and Jen had their second their second wedding, mm-hmm. and like. I love them. I love a good second chance romance. I do not yep. think Ben is going to keep his life together. <laughs> <laughs> I think that it's it's a teetering. So how long that relationship will last? <laughs> I hope it lasts forever. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. I love them so much. Yeah. But 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 the two of them, I just feel like 
especially after seeing the pictures from the wedding, which was just so like over a very JLo, very over the top. Yeah. But also just Ben hates stuff like that. And so it's like, (laughs) I don't know. It's just so fun watching. Maybe he's willing Mm -hmm. to compromise. Maybe, maybe he's learned these 20 years. That's true. That's right. It's true. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That's so funny. (laughs) Oh, do your podcast. Cause I think about podcasts. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. So then finally, again, I guess these are also real people as well. Um, there's a podcast that my husband and I listen to called, I will teach you to be rich, mm-hmm. um, which they interview. He interviews couples that are like having some sort of financial issue or oh, like conversation. And it'll be everything from like, we have millions of dollars and don't know what to do with it to we have $400,000 in credit in credit card debt and don't know yeah. what to do. So it's like, it's a, it's a little bit of everybody, but all of these people come in thinking that they're going to have one type of conversation and over the hour it all changes and all of their like messes are revealed or the ones who are like oh I'm asking you for your help but I've never read your book or I've never done any of this stuff with you before I don't even know who you are and I'm like that's a that's a pretty messy thing to say to somebody yeah no that's wild so yeah so they're great and you can um there's like 60 episodes at this point he's been doing it for the last year he does one a week so it's it's pretty awesome pretty good yeah. Okay. So I've got yeah. some books and I think they're all except for one. I just, I went with romance. So the first one is from 99% mine by Sally Thorne. So like her going from the hating game with the very buttoned up guy mm-hmm. to, she did write her second book. I don't know if it was like technically her second book. Cause I, you know, I don't remember but this, the book that came after the hating game. There was a character called Darcy Barrett and she is just a mess. It's like, she's a mess. There's just not Mm -hmm. nowhere else. Like she is, she does not have it together. She's got this house that's like falling apart. And, and there's this guy who she has like bent her. I think it's, I think it's her brother's best friend. And he, she's been obsessed with him for as long as she can remember. And, and he is the one who's like very put together Mm kind of know, you know, he's all, and he's all, but he's always there for like, for her to turn to because her brother is all they, I think they had kind of like a tragic backstory. It has been a while since I've read this book, but yeah. So she was definitely like, she was like the first romance character I kind of thought of where I was like, Oh yeah. Like, yeah, she does not have it all together. Then Eve Brown from Actor Age, Eve Brown by Talia Hibbert. She is just a little chaos demon and kind of owns it. (laughs) But she, through the course of the book, she also kind of starts to suspect that she is perhaps neurodivergent, perhaps autistic, and kind of starts to explore that and figure that out and figure out the channels she needs to go through to kind of get the right kind of care and attention that she needs. Um, and she too is like paired up with like a very kind of button up and the, her love interest, whose name just completely left my brain right this second. We'll call um, him cutie. Yeah. He, he is, he is autistic and he kind of, he kind of like suspects like, oh, she like kind of does similar things to what I do, but it's, you know, in a different way because it is different for everyone. And he is there for her to help her figure that out. But then he, she is also there to help him kind of like unravel a bit which he needs to do I mean and like the way they meet is like she goes to be to interview to work at his bed and breakfast that he owns and 
she it's a terrible interview like she does she barely says anything that's coherent and he's like yeah no this isn't gonna work and then so she's like driving through this little small town and she literally like bumps him with her car Mm -mm. and he breaks his arm and she's like okay well now I'm just gonna work for you because you can't do anything because your arm is broken and like she just like stays at the bed and breakfast and makes everyone breakfast and it's amazing. It's really, <laughs> really lovely. A recent character that a lot of people absolutely adore is Luke from Boyfriend Material and the follow-up Husband Material by Alexis Hall. He is the son of a like former, like a kind of a washed up rock star. And he's always been like kind of in the public eye. And of course, the only time the paparazzi photograph him is like when he's falling on his face or he is like, you know, had gotten drunk with his friends and he's like walking home or, yeah. you know, and it's set in the UK or whatever. And, you know, and he has to, he kind of fake dates this guy he meets to kind of for, you know, for reasons. And, and it, the first book is definitely like a little, is a little light. I have not read husband material, but I hear people really love it. So that's a good one. And then the final book, I, I think I've talked about this book, but it's such a fun age. Um, And this character's name is Amira Tucker. And she is like this 22 year old woman who's like just or is about to graduate. And she's a nanny for a white family. She's black. She's a nanny for a white family. And she, you know, this, these kind of hoity toity white people, no offense, Mm -hmm. everyone, but they're like, (laughs) oh my gosh, we had this like chaotic event. That's really not that bad, but they're like, can you just come take our daughter to the grocery store like she loves walking around the grocery store with you and it calms her down and it's like it's like 11 30 at night like she is out with her friends like at a club oh but God. she's like yeah well, I need the money though so I guess I'm like she's like I'm kind of dressed like out you know out with my friends like I'm not wearing like what I wear to work and so she takes her to this grocery store and it's like you know, and so someone like, like kind of accuses her of like kidnapping this little girl oh. and it oh. like starts this whole like yeah. chaotic journey and it's it's one of those books that I'm just like it's definitely like oh my it's like a cringe book you're just like I was just getting exactly oh no you know and it's like Mm -hmm. this bad situation but then Mm -hmm. and then like the way that they try to like make it better it's just like it's one of those things I reread it in my neighborhood book club and it was just like the conversations we had after it was like I understand we're like they're both coming from and they both just did not do the right thing like You know, and again, it comes down to like those choices where it's like, oh no, there was a right choice and you didn't do it. You did the other one. (laughs) Yeah. And then the fact that it's such a like, like you enjoy their journey so much despite and in spite of that, like Mm -hmm. that's, that's the best kind of storytelling in my ability. Like that's such talent and such skill to be able to weave that kind of story. And it's definitely a book too, where it like, Oh my gosh. I just, again, I'm having one of those days where like her name, the author's name is Kylie Reed and, um, yeah. And so she just, it was like, it was really interesting. Like, and you could tell that this was probably a book that was like really fun to write. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because it, it definitely felt very much of the moment, but it also, I think is like timeless. Like people are always going to like understand this weird story. I loved it. I loved it. I really loved it. I'm going to reread it. I just oh, decided man. you just sold me on it too. I was like, this sounds great. I want to read yeah, it. It's a lot of fun. You, your description of it. I was like almost hiding in my shirt Yeah, before, no, before that's you were really like, it's cringy. It and I'm like, Ugh. it is, it's very cringy, but it's also like important to like, yeah. think about like the way that I'm not going to spoil it, but like the way that it ends, you're just like, 
well, who was in the right here, mm-hmm. you know? And you're yeah. like, cause then, then there's, there's another character who I'm really not going to talk about too much, but he comes into the mix and you're just like, wait, was he the villain or was mm. this other character like the villain or maybe everyone's the villain? Everyone's like was, the villain. Yeah. 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 yeah I yeah. love it. Yeah. So yeah, I really liked it. It was a Reese Witherspoon book pick like a couple of years ago. It was really, really, really good now that I think about it. Okay. Well, we've talked about messy characters and now it's time to talk to someone who's not messy. She's absolutely delightful. Denise Williams. So we'll be right back. Um, RJ was going to have her own book, or I hoped RJ would have her own yeah. book when I was writing The Fastest Way to Fall. Um, and I knew that that character would need to be far away from her friends to throw her into <laughs> disarray and uncertainty and the discombobulation that could lead to her falling in love, because otherwise she wouldn't. Uh, and North Carolina is actually where my great um, aunt and uncle lived, who were kind of like a third set of grandparents. And yeah. actually the um, the hometown, Lear's hometown in the book is a small town in North Carolina that's based on Silva, North Carolina, which is where um, they lived. So um, Uncle Harold, who is his kind of guidepost mm-hmm. uh, character, his great uncle Harold is based on my great uncle who um, passed while I, just in the early stages of writing this book. Mm-hmm. And, and so that was in part why I chose North Carolina is because I had, I had been there and especially writing those scenes, I could picture sitting on the porch, feeding the birds, like they they live up in the mountains and what that yeah. looked like and I've always loved that as a setting and so when I was thinking of where RJ would go I wasn't going to put her in Silva which is a pretty small town but I wanted her to be nearby and so I think she's probably in Asheville I don't know if I ever actually give her a city but, um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's kind of why why the move and um the the next one is back in Chicago so okay. if that wins me some points again <laughs> Glad to hear it. No, I, I loved it. I felt one of the things like the Southern East coast, aside from like Florida, I have not spent a ton of time there. So the more I read books set here, cause there are a lot of like small town romances set in Northern or in the Carolinas, both of them. And I just, it just seems so lovely. So I'm going to have to make a trip. <laughs> maybe a writing retreat. <gasps> yes. I'm just That's... saying maybe in the middle of winter when Chicago and Iowa are both horrific. Oh my gosh, Denise, Ooh. we're talking about this offline. It's happening. It's happening. We're doing it. It's on. <laughs> we can do a live recording of the Fresh Fiction podcast Ooh, there. Yeah. Figure out a way to write it off. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs> Well, enemies to benefits is not necessarily a trope we come across a ton and RJ and Lear are they butt heads from the start but they also give in to what starts out as a purely physical attraction. What did you like most about exploring their dynamic. I had so much fun writing these two characters and in part it was the enemies with benefits. Um, because I think that's really where their stop off point before they are lovers before they are in love is you know, it's a, we can't stand each other, but we are so attracted to each other yeah. kind of moment. Yeah. And I just think those are sort of fun. Um, when these two people who obviously have feelings for each other, can't admit it, won't admit it. And you get the excuse to write and read a lot of steamy scenes along the way, which are my favorite scenes to write. I love mm-hmm. writing steamy scenes. And so that was maybe the most fun part about this dynamic is they, um, they bang it out a lot to be so crass. And, <laughs> and <laughs> talk, but, um, I wrote all of those scenes first. It was the pandemic and I needed that escape. Um, And so I liked writing their physical chemistry and I love really in all my books, but especially in this one, Mm -hmm. I love those moments where characters can communicate things physically that they can't 
mm -hmm. um, verbally that they're not ready or don't recognize in themselves. And I feel like with these two, they do a lot of that. There's a lot of, you know, hot and heavy, but then these soft touches or they're kind of naked and having a thumb war at one point. And I love yeah. that scene because I think it is just so intimate for them and they're just having this physical contact and this touching that wouldn't have existed kind of outside the the space of them having sex and so um that's kind of where that started and i just like that dynamic with the add-on of enemies to lovers because i think before mm -hmm. they are lovers they're, they're still enemies or annoyances anyway yeah <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about all these steamy sex scenes in a little bit because that was great. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> but let's talk a bit about RJ because she is such an interesting hero heroine. She, I love the contradiction of like her jobs in this book where she's a hardworking divorce attorney who also performs wedding ceremonies on the side, which I just, I loved that so much. Um, <laughs> it was like, how opposite can you get? Um, but she's incredibly driven and determined, but she has a reputation of being a bit of an ice queen. Like she gets called cold and icy like a few times in the book. And I want to know what were some of the challenges of creating a character and maybe, I mean, should we call, I don't, I didn't really find her to be an unlikable heroine, but I feel like I could see where perhaps some people may say that. So what were some of those challenges while you were working on her? Oh, sure. Some people have said it, not so kindly. <laughs> um, I actually wrote, I finished an article for Writer's Digest about this topic, like 12 oh, hours amazing. ago. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, it's fresh on my mind. Perfect. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, I think it's interesting. I, I, backing up a little bit, I lead an empowerment uh, program. Uh, I work at a university. Mm -hmm. And so we have 60 to 80 people every year who go through this kind of semester long um, series of workshops on, and it's all for women and non-binary people. And it's around kind of owning your voice and silencing the inner critic and communicating with power and all of these things. And we do a whole discussion about these different research studies that have shown how people are judged. And when we immediately meet somebody, we judge their warmth and we judge their competence. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in that kind of split second, we make an assessment about that. And while when we look at, um, to speak on a binary for a minute, because that's the way the study was done, mm -hmm. men um, can be competent, but not warm and still do all right. Women have to be warm first or the other one doesn't really matter. Um, no. And so that's true across mm -hmm. most cultures in a lot of different contexts. And I think that's true for many of us in our day to day. Mm -hmm. It's definitely true for RJ. And so um, I actually wrote this morning about that idea of somebody being prickly usually means they're not outwardly warm. <laughs> and that is RJ. She is yeah. the point, she is ambitious. She is compassionate and warm and kind but in specific context, that's not her go-to. And I think I relate to that on some level. I, I work in education, so I can't really like put that out front. But if you take the strengths quest, like my number 33 out of 34 strengths is empathy. Like it is not my go-to emotion. Yeah. Um, and so I related in a lot of ways to that. But I do think a lot of people when they're reading will call those kinds of characters, especially in romance, mm -hmm. prickly or unlikable. And sort of that assumption that the characters that we fall in love with should be warm and kind and mm -hmm. wishy and lovely. And I've written those kinds of characters mm -hmm. to write and they're easy to love. But I like the idea of writing a person who thought mm -hmm. they were hard to love in the context of a genre where people might find that character 
um, hard to love. And that's actually who the book is dedicated to or for the ones who think they're hard to love. Yeah. Um, I think there are a lot of people out there who don't lead with warmth and compassion and they lead with ambition. They lead mm-hmm. with drive. They lead with rudeness sometimes. Um, and just, you know, kind of a, a dedication to kind of the task and, and I don't know, that was a fun character to write. It was a challenge. Um, and hopefully I landed it. I don't know. I guess when the book comes out, we'll see, but, um, I think there is that line where I definitely fall in love with that character. Right. I see her motivations and I see what's driving her, but I also get to see her be fiercely loyal to her friends. Mm -hmm. And, um, the moment she, there's a moment where she takes care of Lear when he's hurt. There's a few different moments like that, um, where he kind of gets to see behind her facade. And I also really love writing two characters, who don't immediately recognize how the other person cares for them, like kind of different love languages. Mm, Um, And so in the beginning of the book, um, he might not recognize something she does as caring or compassionate. She doesn't do a lot of that in the beginning of the book, but um, whereas, you know, once they get to know each other, um, he knows kind of her giving him a hard time about something is sort of a sign of affection. It's care and that sort of Mm -hmm. thing. Yeah, I I loved when, when he finally started to understand that and he was like, oh wait, she, she likes me, you know? And, and like, yeah, that realization kind of also makes him really realize his, the depth of his feelings, I think too. And I thought that was really, that was really fun. Yeah. It it was different because she's very different than any of my other heroines and she's different from the next ones I'm writing, but it was, for me, that was kind of a challenge too. And I did have a lot of fun just writing this person who is not really like me other than Mm -hmm. empathy being low on the list. Um, But to kind of step outside my comfort zone a little bit. Well, and similar to RJ, but different, uh, Lear finds himself suddenly working in the surprisingly cutthroat world of wedding planning after he has to leave his sports events coordinating job. Uh, What do you think about, what do you think wedding planning reveals about Lear as a character? Um, I think his, um, his attention to detail and his conscientiousness, like professional conscientiousness, isn't something we expect from a a romance hero in general, but he's got this kind of dude bro facade he's putting up, at least at the beginning. Mm -hmm. He is pretty like, they're pretty physical together, but you still see him doing these small things. Like he has wet wipes in his car and he knows the exact time it's supposed to start raining and is helping her out. And like these very, these things that I think are inherent to event planners because event planners have to be prepared for all of these things. Um, Mm -hmm. But that is also very um, traditionally seen as kind of purview of women. Um, Mm -hmm. And to see this kind of combination and juxtaposition of this kind of tough guy and especially the facade he's putting up and coming from like professional sports, but being in this place where he's actually really good at wedding planning and he is really good at working with the families and the couples. And you see him a lot of times, you know, problem solving. And I had um, Fallon Ballard read through it as a wedding planner and be like, okay, what did I get wrong? Like, she's like, okay, well, this wouldn't happen or they do the cake like this. So to just show his competence, I really enjoyed that. And he has some, um, without giving much away like he has some emotional baggage that's pretty intense for him mm-hmm. um and so at the same time as rj has these walls up because of who she is he has constructed these walls to kind of protect his heart as well so he mm-hmm. melts a lot faster he is much more like outwardly in it uh he definitely <laughs> at least publicly falls first but yeah. at least at the beginning those walls are still up and so the wedding planning i think is also some insight into 
how he's dealing with that emotional baggage and kind of being around love when he's kind of going through all this past relationship stuff. He was a really cool character to get to know. There were, there was a lot, he has a lot going on. He does. <laughs> and it's, it was really delightful to kind of see him both unravel, but then also like kind of find himself, I think, through this new job and, and meeting RJ, of course. Okay. All right. So you, we talked about this a bit. We talked about the many, many, many sex scenes in this book. But I'm going to talk like romance author to romance author, like okay. how much fun did you, did you have? How <laughs> so much fun. And honestly, when I first said it to my editor, I was certain they were going to make me cut mm-hmm. some. Um, and then I added another one. Like, Yay. Sorry, my editor did not make me cut. I had to trim down one a little bit. The, um, the angry sex scene used to be a lot angrier. Um, so that got pulled back a little bit. And then I wrote another one that's a bonus threesome scene. Ooh. It was never Ooh. in the book. It's just for fun. It's like alternate universe with these same characters. Yeah. We'll release that sometime. Um, but I had so much fun just writing their physical chemistry and putting them in different places. And again, like charting how they might kind of fall for each other mm-hmm. and it's been a while since I read it because you know like I finished this book I think I turned it in summer um 21 and so I've been <laughs> yeah. writing other things since then so my dad had a co- my parents had a copy of the arc that they're reading and my dad my mom was like oh, I don't know if your dad's gonna read that one and I was like well he should be able to read the first chapter <laughs> the first <three> chapters <laughs> So I was like, when, when does the sex start in this book? Oh, it's right there. Okay. Um, yeah. So I, I Get to the goods right out the gate. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or right through the closet. Um, <laughs> of just kind of putting these two together in these different situations. Yeah. And looking at how um, yeah, for sure. So like kind of as like a follow-up and to like dive into this a little bit more, but like people outside of the romance genre don't always understand that within romance and I'm I think I'm even taking erotic romance out of there, even though what I'm about to describe happens in erotic romance, but it definitely doesn't really in erotica, but the sex scenes are incredibly important to the story. You know, they are usually moving something forward. So like what do, and you you kind of talked about this too, but what do these multiple sex scenes do for your story or your plot moving forward? Yeah. Yeah, I think there's different things that they do. I think Mm -hmm. um, in the beginning, it's an excuse for the intimacy to happen because these are not two characters that would sit down and have pillow talk. Like they would have, (laughs) that wouldn't happen. Even like the banter, they're both in places where they would not willingly say, hey, let's go grab a drink. Earlier would, and RJ would be like, I gotta go to work. I got 15 minutes to give you. (laughs) Um, So it's an excuse in some ways at the beginning. Like they have, that's a way to get them together in conversations. It speaks to both of their motivations. Mm -hmm. Um, But as the book progresses, those are often the spaces where RJ, who has, again, these, these, well, both of them have these walls up, Mm -hmm. where those walls come down, even if they're in her own head, where we see her um, realizing that this guy gets her, that somebody gets her, that somebody is making her feel kind of wanted and valued and then being able to extrapolate that that's not just a physical thing and I think again because of these two characters that makes a lot of sense that's a it's, it's like a gateway drug yeah <laughs> drug to feelings. Um, but in other settings like I think it can show trust mm-hmm. um, compassion and care I think there are um, I need to go back and reread all these sex scenes now because the book is coming out soon and I mean, that feels like a hardship um, <laughs> where um, they're showing um, 
not concerned for each other, but that they know each other, that they've gotten mm-hmm. to know not only how each other's bodies work, but the way they kind of move through things. And there is a scene and it's actually between sex scenes. I think they, you know, hit it, take a break for some sleep and then wake up again in the morning. But in between, they have a conversation about her work and her job. Mm-hmm. And I think that's maybe where the thumb war happens. Um, but it's her talking all about her profession and why she loves it and him showing interest and her realizing he's showing interest. And it's between two love scenes that move yeah. the story forward just kind of in action. Mm-hmm. But again, it's that gateway for them to, to kind of have feelings and show compassion to each other. For these characters, I think that's the key thing that those sex scenes play. Um, mm-hmm. I think in my other books, for example, in How to Fail Flirting, the heroine is a, a domestic violence survivor. And what you see in a lot of those love scenes is her being able to communicate I trust you, I trust myself, I'm trusting my own body. Um, Again, in a way that the character isn't ready to verbalize, um, but you're able to show kind of that growth. And I think that's true for every romance novel that includes the sex scenes or any romance novel worth reading, because sometimes the sex scenes are just fun, um, but that it it shows communication in a different way. It shows intimacy, it shows the stakes rising, um, whatever that might be. And I think that's true for these characters. Oh, I love that. I want to listen to that again, like seven yep. times. <laughs> wait, and like, then I'm also like, yeah, I'm also like, how can I write these characters that just need to have sex all the time? Because like, I was just telling Gwen earlier, like last week, actually, I, we were talking and I was said, I was like, when I have writer's block, that's what I write. Like I just write sex mm-hmm. scenes and I just have like a folder and there they are. They're waiting. I, <laughs> I probably so cool. have a hundred thousand words, maybe 150,000 words of different. They're not even just the sex scenes, but like different yeah. short stories and vignettes yeah. and they're all super high heat. They would never probably go mm-hmm. to the book, uh, maybe on a Patreon or something like that. But <laughs> that's just fun for me that's relaxing and they're not easy to write they're not any easier than like an emotionally charged like verbal scene Mm -hmm. it's it's fun it's titillating like I I always say when I do lectures on why romance is the ideal genre to crush the patriarchy is because we can show all of these different things we can show representation we can talk about issues but sometimes there's sex and kissing Mm -hmm. and that's way more fun than a journal Mm -hmm. article about it for most of us (laughs) Uh, at least um and so um I don't remember what question you asked I just went down a tangent of sex scenes I get so excited about it I think that's I'm the same way like when I have writer's block or when I'm between deadlines and I just want to write something it's always that and I have a whole folder of it (laughs) awesome I love it you guys are brilliant I'm like how have I not been doing that that's so smart (laughs) (laughs) welcome Gwen join we'll do this at our writer's retreat we'll just say oh my gosh yeah I like that for the retreat I'm here for that it's like yeah, writing yeah. prompt. Oh, seriously. Instead of, morning, instead of the morning pages, it's the boning pages. We've got this. <laughs> so I am a spreadsheet queen um, in my day job. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of data. And I did create a um, uh, a spreadsheet that will randomize to create a sex acts, like kind of like um, naughty yes. life. So for books, like when I'm stuck or when I just need something, I'll just input the characters' names and how many of them there are. And then, um, you know, hit randomize on the right. spreadsheet and it creates some... Thing that may or may not make sense but it's a fun yeah, just like prompt <laughs> yeah I just fell in love with you my yeah. Virgo insides are like oh my gosh Denise is the most beautiful woman I've ever seen <laughs> well my spreadsheets are my best feature <laughs> <laughs> I love this well, yeah 
you know, uh, apparently spreadsheets all make us very happy, but um, something we always love to ask our guests is what's making them happy right now. It could be a book, a show, a recipe, but whatever's coming to mind, what's been bringing you joy recently? You know, I have been rewatching um, Superstore on Hulu. Ooh, I yes. never watched that show when it was on. I caught it after I think it'd been canceled mm -hmm. or, or far into the run. But it is so delightful. And I've been, mm -hmm. um, my, my husband is currently quarantined and so my son goes to bed pretty early. So I've been kind of by myself every evening with the dogs. And that has just been bringing me delight. Um, as I take a little break from writing, I'm a little between mm -hmm. projects right now. Um, and so it's fun to just get lost in these kind of antics. And the characters on that show are so great. It actually makes me want to start writing again. They're so rich and interesting and the, the character arcs are so fascinating. Um, so that is bringing me joy right now. I know that that is kind of my happy place right now. And I've been off for a couple of days from, from my day job. So it's been nice to just sink into that and, and not yeah. too much. Uh, that's it. a great recommendation. That is such a comfort show. Like it's so yeah. wonderful. It's oh, kind and it. lovely, but a little snarky. It's like 10 yeah. minutes. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's nice and long. Like I think it had like five or six seasons. So you can catch up on lots. That's perfect. Mm -hmm. yes. I know you're between projects, but can you let readers and by readers, I mean me, uh, <laughs> what you have coming next? Yeah, I will have, um, well, do you take this man is out September 6th and that'll be my fourth book of this year which is a lot of books in one year for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so I have three books out next year. And the first uh, will actually be a compilation of my three novellas that came out this spring and summer that all take place in the airport. Um, that'll be called Love and Other Flight Delays and it'll be out in March. So that one has been fun because the only thing I had to write for that one that was new was the acknowledgments. And I'm super proud of the acknowledgments. So I love um, it. they're written as a flight plan. I think May or June, I contributed to an anthology called um, Even If the Sky is Falling. And that'll be coming out from Harlequin and um, Taj McCoy edited it. Um, Cherish Reed, Farharan, um, uh, Lane Clark, Sarah Smith. I know I'm missing somebody, um, but yeah. anyway, we all contributed and it's essentially Love Actually meets your favorite 90s disaster movie where they kiss at the end. Amazing. So um, people think the world is ending, the alarms go off, it's not ending, um, but everybody thinks it is. So you follow these different couples <laughs> as they shelter in place for 12 hours and shocking no one, my couple, uh, the the story opens in the middle of a sex scene. So um, of course. stories are kind of varying degrees of hot, but there's definitely yeah. something in the book. And that one was a lot of fun to write. Mine is called Anything You Can Do, I Can Do Better. So it's an RJ type character. Love it. And her yes. academic nemesis from college <laughs> are um, trapped in their old college uh, biology building. Yes. <laughs> nice. yes. So um, that one's coming in May, June. And then my fourth novel, which doesn't have a title quite yet, we're still working on that, mm -hmm. um, will be coming in September. And for those who have read The Fastest Way to Fall, this is Pearl and Cord's story. Um, so they were two nice. side characters in that one. And that will be a second chance romance. I think it'll be pretty high heat. There's a tent sex scene that I wrote like four years ago that I was really <laughs> excited to work into this book. Yeah, I'd give a title, but we don't have one yet. So that one will be coming in September. And that is kind of what I have in the works. You just have so much downtime, Denise. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Watching Superstore. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. I, I cannot wait that I just, I was already excited about the anthology, but now hearing about your story and just like 
see, hearing again all of the names involved like that's just going to be so much fun I cannot wait fun I think it will and we haven't read each other's stories yet aside from um, Tasha's which starts it off yeah um, so I'm really excited to read everybody's I got a peek at Cherish Reads which is a lot of fun there's some role-playing involved like Cold War era role-playing and um, <laughs> yeah the, the cover will be out soon I think they're working Amazing. on it now so excited about that one great I love it so much. All right. Well, Denise, before we let you go, can you tell us where the best place for readers to connect with you online might be? Well, when I'm avoiding writing or like a deadline, so always, uh, I'm on Instagram and TikTok and Twitter, all at Nick Will Writes, which is N I C W I L L Writes. Uh, my website is not a great way to contact me, but it is a great way to find out information about books. And that's denisewilliamswrites.com. Um, and then, yeah, I'm on social media a lot. I have a Facebook page, but don't find, try to find me there because I probably won't be there. Um, but I'm on social media all the time. And I love chatting with, um, chatting with readers and chatting with folks. And Danielle and I are trying to arrange something that we'll hopefully yeah. be able to do in person in Chicago um, sometime this fall. And then yeah. I'm often at dog-eared books in, in Ames, Iowa. And there who always have um, signed copies of my books too. Folks Amazing. Awesome. Great. Great. That's so exciting. This was a delight. Like I said, I'm just going to listen to it over and over. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, slide into my DMs and I can send you the bonus threesome scene. Oh my God, it's happening. <laughs> what do you think is going to happen the minute we get off of this call? <laughs> it's filthy. <it's guilty. laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. I'm so excited. Um, yeah, this was a delight. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy schedule to chat with us. Well, thank you both. Thank you so much. Welcome back. Uh, I just, I love this conversation with Denise. I love all our conversations with people, but I think that Denise just, she's so funny. She was just she's so funny. The whole time. She, yeah. I was like, you just, she should just come be the third host because yes. she was so funny. <laughs> like that's how it felt. Uh, yes. <laughs> Denise, if you're available. That's our goal. That'll be our goal for the next time. Denise, yeah. the third host. Since we're getting into our goal talk. <laughs> so funny. Okay. Goal talk. All right. My goal last time was to drink more water because my eye was twitching from drinking so much coffee mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and I'm working on it. I could definitely drink more. I was reading an article the other day about like celebrities. I don't know how I found this, but like celebrities who drink like gallons of water a day. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, then they all look great. Like Marissa Tomei <laughs> apparently drinks like two gallons of water a day. Oh my God. And I was like, well, it shows. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or say, but, oh, oh, I was looking at Lewis Hamilton's vanity fair oh story, yeah because he looks absolutely amazing yeah i'm always just every time i see him i'm like what is your skincare routine and i think it's because he drinks a ton of water and doesn't mm. and he's vegan okay yeah that's it he's like i don't eat animal fat and yeah I just drink water and i'm i just like, drink oh. water and i was like oh cool so you have no joy in your life aside from race got car it. driving okay yeah. got it <laughs> Got it, got it, got and they're it, mean okay. to you in that sport <laughs> yeah, right and they're so awful to you they're so awful um, to you uh, anyway have some chocolate so then it was like one of those things i was like celebrity skincare routines and all of them are just like i just drink water all day and i'm just mm -hmm. like aren't you in the bathroom all like how do you film a movie yeah <laughs> how do you do anything anyway sorry. well they're not even really eating either so it's like they have like the lettuce <laughs> and then all the water no, i know Anyway, I would, good for them. what is, I know, <laughs> what was your goal, Gwen? So my goal was to practice my squats, uh, you know, at least against the wall. Um, I didn't yes. have to do that at all, oh, okay. uh, but I, I did some more stretching now. 
no, I, I made the goal. I wrote it down. I did it for like two days and then I forgot. Acceptable. It happens, but, uh, yeah, still walking around. That's all. That's, that's all that matters. Do you have a new goal for this? uh, Yes. My goal. So I am almost to like the end of my, like really active promotional period for my book. Mm -hmm. Um, it is just what happens. My book has been available for about a month, probably have like a few more weeks of really like new book, new book, new book, because pretty soon, I mean, every week there are new books, but really, I mean, the cycle is kind of about a month to six weeks for like a new romance novel. So I need to do some like planning to figure out what I'm going to do for the next year to like Mm, stay mm -hmm. relevant. (laughs) I mean, some of it comes with like, we're doing this podcast and, um, and I, you know, I do have like some hosting gigs at Anderson. So I've been doing like promo for that stuff. Um, not just as the event coordinator, but also just like as an author, like I've been doing stuff too. So yeah, it is, um, it's just something I need to think about. So I don't know. It's like, I want to plan like giveaways and I want to, you know, like really pay attention to, you know, like if bookstore romance day hadn't have happened so close to my book release, but like that could have been something that I could have like, Oh, I'm going to go to these right. bookstores and take pictures of all my friends books. And that's really, I mean, one thing I am really lucky is I can literally like walk upstairs and I've got like a nice, like shelfie to take, exactly. you know, like look at these new romance releases, look at my friends, look at these people who I really admire, you know? So yeah. it really is just like, I don't know if I need to make like a set schedule, but I think I do need to make like a list of ideas of things that I could do. Yeah, um, for sure. And because I do read so much, like I, I think I did a couple about a week ago, I did a, a post about like recent reads and like, it's like one of my most liked posts ever. So mm-hmm. I will share what I'm reading. Apparently that's what the bookstagrammers want. So they exactly. want to know about more books. So They're like, what do I read next? And then if I'm yeah. not reading, what do I watch? Exactly. So that too, maybe that's what I'll do too. Maybe I'll try to commit more time to watching TV um, or movies or something. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Again, I got to make some ideas. I got to make a list and we'll go from there. Um, speaking of complaining list. about drinking water. I know. Like, and I was like, new goal? <laughs> so since squatting seemed to not, it was a little too advanced for me. I think I have to just go back to the basics and yeah. uh, just try to drink more water. Um, I, mine is not, I mean, I do drink a lot of caffeine, but I've just noticed that I do not, dr- I've just stopped drinking water. Mm-hmm. Like I will drink my coffee in the morning. I will have like maybe a glass of water that I have sipped on all day. Yeah. And then it'll be dinner time and I'll eat and then I'll be like, oh, I'm not really thirsty. And then I wake up in the middle of the night with like a tummy ache because I didn't yeah. consume any water. You're completely so, parched. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I've been working on that, trying to do like liquid IV, drinking water, finding mm. like my thing is always like I, I know you and I have shared this mutually is like a new water bottle always makes a big really difference. Really helps. Really, really helps. helps. So uh, like I had been drinking out of a, I wanted just like, I was going for quantity over quality. So I was just drinking out of a 32 ounce Nalgene bottle for a while, mm-hmm. but now I'm like, okay, I want something more delicate, something with a straw. Yeah. So I'm back to like a metal oh, cup. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Uh, my friend Alicia has this like comically large, like one gallon bottle that has like the lines on it that says like, oh, oh you yeah. gotta drink this by here and here and here. So, you know, maybe a celebrity encouragement 
Yeah. I just stick an Angelina Jolie on the side of the bottle and say like, maybe one day I'll have skin like hers. If I just drink my water, yeah. gotta <laughs> drink a ton of water. I yeah. gotta drink a ton yeah. of water. Cause that's the thing is like, yeah. you start noticing, like, this is obviously not a skincare podcast, but it could be, um, it's like, you start noticing those wrinkles and like places yeah. that you don't like, I always have like my, my dry patches and I'm like, Oh, I haven't mm-hmm. had enough water. Gotta do, gotta be better. About yeah, this. definitely. I agree. hundred percent. All right. Well, while we're working on these goals, we need things to bring us comfort and yes. make us happy. Um, what is your comfort this week? Okay. So I know that this is a brand that is a little, for those who have them is an old hat, uh, yeah. but it's, they just opened a new shop near within like driving distance of me. Um, so it's crumble cookies. Mm-hmm. They're these like giant $4 comically large cookies that come in like all kinds of different flavors. Their their claim to fame is that you can order hot cookies and they'll have them delivered to you. But the the reality of that is that only their chocolate chip cookie is warm. All the other (laughs) cookies are cold because they're like frosting based cookies. Um, So they'll have like, they'll have like chocolate chip cookies, but then there's um, a friend, they change weekly. So they want you to come back all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, But the ones that we got were chocolate chip, French silk, which was just like a pie cookie was so good. Yeah. Um, a caramel popcorn cookie. Ooh. Yeah. Um, it was really strawberry- two of my absolute favorite things, like caramel and popcorn together. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. It was so good. Um, <laughs> there's like a strawberry cheesecake or a raspberry cheesecake one in there. And then there was a lemon poppy seed, but I did not get that one because I would have liked that, but Cliff does not care mm-hmm. for that flavor. But you can get one cookie, you can get four cookies, or you can try all six of their flavors in one box. That's awesome. And they'll deliver them to you. And you'll feel like you're helping the community. <laughs> no, crumble awesome. cookies is, I'm not getting sponsored, but we should be. Yeah. I mean, man, that was quite the pitch. I'm ready. I'm going to go find some. <laughs> What's been bringing you comfort? All right. So my fellow boozy book broad, Melanie Johnson, I saw her, actually I saw her yesterday at, at bookstore romance day, but a few, a couple of weeks before that. So a few weeks ago when this goes up, we did an event together at love sweet arrow and it was like kind of a, it was like another mix and mingle event. And she's so sweet. She brought me a bottle of wine and like a little, like congratulations on your release little like gift, which I was like, Oh my God, Melanie was so nice. But she got me the wine that's called, it's called black girl magic. Right. That's the brand. And she's like, and she's like, and I looked at it. She's like, this is not just like a marketing ploy with like, cause she's <laughs> like, I bought it at target. So it's not just like one of their things where they say it's like for black people or made by black people. And it really is just like made by target. She's like, no, no, no. They're like really a black owned, like woman owned business. And I did Love too. It. I looked it up and I'll link to it because it's really cool. And it's yes. specifically their red wine blend. It's like a really nice, just like red wine. Like I had, a, I have a glass at dinner. Um, And yeah, it's just really good. And like, so I had really like, you know, I mean, I talk about wine all the time, I feel like, but I really had not been drinking as much wine because like in the beginning of the pandemic, I felt like I was drinking too much wine, which I mean, there was a lot going on. Uh, Yeah, it was a pandemic. But no, I'm really like enjoying. So I really am enjoying the Black Girl Magic Red Wine Blend and from and but especially because it's from my friend Melanie. So I love that. Oh, I can't wait to try that. I'm going to go buy a bottle myself. Yeah, I like it. I really, I love a blend. I don't know why Mm -hmm. I just, I do. I like like red wine and white wine blends. Like I think they're fun. Um, Mm -hmm. and yeah, this one's really, it's like really smooth. It's really, but it's not too overwhelming. Cause you know, sometimes red wines can be like a lot too. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yes, exactly. Like, I'm just like, it's a lot. And you come in here with the term. I love it. Um, <laughs> I'm always like, it makes my nose itch. <laughs> as always, please follow us on all the socials. Um, you can follow Fresh Fiction at Fresh Fiction. You can follow me at D Jackson Books. Where can they find you, Gwen? And you can find me at Real Vixen. Awesome. You can email us directly at podcast at freshfiction.com. Who are your messy characters? I'm, I know we forgot Ooh, people. Yeah. But also, you can just email us about how much you love Carmi. Um, yes, please. We'll take your fan. We'll take your always, fan art. Your Carmi yeah, fan always art. comes back to Carmi. Oh my gosh. Oh my. Did I tell you? Sorry. <laughs> di- literal digression in the last minute of the episode. <laughs> we. I went to Women and Children first and signed books, and for because my book was chosen for their subscription box. I can like now talk about it because they've been sent out. Um, and so that was really great. Women, children, persons, absolutely amazing independent bookstore in Andersonville in Chicago, but we were there and I was like, Oh, can we drive to river North? I really, I need to like, see how far the merchandise mart is from where my imagined neighborhood is Mm, in mm -hmm. my book. But really all I wanted to do was drive past Mr. Beef and see Carmi. He wasn't there, but that's rude. (laughs) But now I'm like, I'm like, I can write it into my book. I can at least put mm-hmm. Mr. Beef into my book. Cause I was like, oh, Mr. Beef is literally like between the bar and the restaurant. Everyone hangs out at like, it's like right yeah, there. So I was like, right okay, Carmi's going to be in my book now. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> and you know, it, it's so perfect. It's so perfect. I love it. Nothing better than that. Great. <laughs> um, okay. Now back to what we should be talking about, which is please subscribe and follow and rate and review us on your favorite podcast app. And we will be back soon. Bye. everybody. Bye. <laughs>